I'm Euro. I'm Chris. And this is Fork Bomb. January 21st, 2023, episode 37, interviewing Matt, otherwise known as Wicknicks in the interwebs, and, uh, and some antics with iChat. Chris, how are you? Pretty well. How are you? Good, good. I've, uh, uh, well, since our last episode, um, I got a new job and uh, my daughter turned two and I've bought about five other Macs and, um, hmm, yeah, started a YouTube channel, another one. <laughs> we'll see how that well that goes. And yeah, how are you, Chris? Well, pretty well. Since uh, last year, I... Um been kicking ass at my job, uh, learned how to play the ukulele, and uh, we have a guest star, um, Matt, a.k.a. the um, wily and wascally wizard of web browser wizard- wizardry, Wicknix. Hello, <laughs> so, hello. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. It's uh, Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate you. Um, big fan, honestly. Oh, same here. Kind of weird. I, I technically I'm just a hobbyist, but I was at 2017, picked up an old uh, iBook, got hooked on vintage Macs. Um, years before that, you know, I had done stuff for the JLime project, which was Linux for the HP Jornada 720. Um, then there was the Zipit Z2, the little handheld messenger that you needed Wi-Fi for. Created a user land for that. Oh, wow. I wanted something different. x86 was getting boring. ARM was getting boring. And then PowerPC kind of fell in my lap and started tinkering from there. So you entered it from, um, from you entered into it rather recently. Yeah, not long ago. And then Very I was cool. finding out there were things that were lacking in the PowerPC department. You know, certain apps, why doesn't it have this? Why can't it play YouTube? And start digging into it and then oddly enough things built and started working and apps came about <laughs> you've certainly been instrumental i mean uh, geez uh, arctic fox interweb spider web wow um every time that i see a post on there and it's got your name on it i'm i'm almost expecting something great <laughs> and you know every time i see oh wow he's he's uncovered the mysteries of something you know in the power pc world i'm waiting for 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 you to say hey by the way i figured out all of snow leopard on power pc <laughs> yeah i haven't even touched that <laughs> so um this is kind of a i guess this one's kind of a two-parter because it's a uh, half interviewing you matt and um half uh talking about uh resurrecting iChat. um so I guess could we, Giro, did you want to start with, with the interview portion? Sure. Yes. Uh, so we, we we wrote down some basic questions, um, and uh, you know just to just to get to um, know the person more, and uh, and and then uh, we'll, we'll go from there. We definitely have some. Uh, well, I, I don't know if we want to call it updates, but uh, our antics into iChat. Uh, we're hoping that we could 
resurrect the video portion so that way you know people on the in the in the power pc forums could start using it and and we'll build a community that way uh similar to how action retro got a uh, a minecraft server and then people were playing on it and things like that um we've uh, so anyway we can save that for the end um so yeah uh we'll start with the interview portion um so matt what got you into power pcs that ibook <laughs> it really was the iBook. I had found it on Craigslist. It was like forty dollars. I'm like, eh, why not? Picked it up, fell in love with OS ten. I'm like, then I bought a G five off of Craigslist. Then I bought another G five off of Craigslist. Then I bought three power books and another G five. <laughs> it just kind of grew from there. But honestly, it was the original iBook. Uh, it came with Leopard on it, and then I jumped on Mac Rumors. seemed to be the most popular website on the internet for finding out info, and that was pretty much it. Then I wiped everything out from scratch, did all the tweaks, went looking for software. Because, you know, your first time, you install everything, even if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, yeah. I'll grab, uh, you know, Adium. Well, Adium only works for certain things half the protocols are dead right well, that's kind of what brought me into, AOL <laughs> into doing Biddleby with built the discord plugin because Biddleby offered services of course then discord was lacking so built the discord plugin but yeah back to the original question that iBook and OS you, you my basically my first Mac was also an iBook. Um, it was a um, an iBook G3 500 megahertz with Jaguar installed, um, and uh, actually, it was because of Chris that uh, that that I that I even got it because I saw his iBook and it was nice and shiny. They are a pretty white, except yeah. some of the keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they get older, they get a gross shade of yellow. Yes. Um. So you got an iBook G4 if it had Leopard on it? Yep. Yeah, it was a, uh, I think it was just a one gigahertz. It that's, wasn't, wasn't low end, it wasn't high end. It was kind of middle, middle ground. That's the one I have right now. Um, what was your, your first computer ever? Commodore 64. Nice, nice. And then uh, Amiga 2000. Then I kind of. Oh, wow. Kind of hit high school and didn't care for a while. <laughs> and then uh, about 95, 96, around the time Windows 95 came out, I got back into building PCs. And then, uh, yeah, I'd gotten a whole slew of viruses one day on Windows 95, so there's got to be something better out there. And that's when I found Linux, and I've pretty much been a Linux fan ever since. Hey, Nice. Pretty much everything I run dual boots into Linux. If it's not my main desktop, all my power PCs boot into Linux also. <laughs> oh, we have some Linux questions here for you. I'll uh, try to answer. PC. Linux on power PCs kind of hairy. That's oh, it's yeah. fun. Yeah, don't know. <laughs> um, you um, you started with a, an era in computing that I wish I could have experienced when it was current. I got a bit into the 8-bit scene a few years ago and um, what I really loved was, what, what, what I loved is um, 
finding how much we lost. Um, computers that turn on instantly, no need to properly shut down, no file system corruption. Um, manuals that came with the machine that taught you how to program. Yep. The three ring binders. Those were awesome. I, my parents had actually got me the Commodore when I was probably in uh, fifth or sixth grade. And yeah, it came with books and books. And the only reason she bought it for me was my mom owned a business and she wanted me to print out all of her mailing labels. And she's like, here's your gift, but here's your job. <laughs> so I started with that. And then my, uh, I actually went to a Catholic grade school, had a class of like 21 kids. But my homeroom teacher got that school to open up a computer lab and it was stuffed with Commodore 64s. Well, before you knew it, they were double-decking the 1541s and making copies of games, and then he showed us how to write our own games. And I did a maze game with a buddy of mine. It was called uh, Something Ninja. I don't remember that was so long ago. <laughs> we'll find it online somewhere. But it was an old maze game. You know, it was just all text. You just could type in, you know, go forward, go backward, go right, go left, pick this up, drop that. Pretty pretty simple, but yeah, the fact you're in grade school writing little games was right up my alley. So yeah, it's unfortunate you had to miss that because that was a great time in computing. And the graphics on the games smoked the NES and the Atari and anything else. Oh, especially then. the Amiga. And the sound, the sound oh, yeah. quality. That's the sit chip sound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was phenomenal. So everybody in the neighborhood's bragging about they got the Atari or the NES, and I'm like, Hold uh, my beer. <laughs> Rambo on the C64 blows away anything you guys got. That's right. May I ask, Absolutely. What, may I ask what your your um, your professional background is? Uh, automo automotive warehousing. I'm an operations associate, basically the assistant manager for uh, – we're behind the scenes. We're not like an AutoZone or an app or a CarQuest. We buy direct from GM and Ford. We warehouse it, and then we distribute it to all the dealerships in the state. Nice. So, so I basically dispatch, you know, get all the trucks set up to go, set up all the routes. So you are fortunate to not have your, your hobby overlap with your, your profession. Correct. I, I, the only thing I have to use a computer for there is looking at the dots and seeing where my drivers are. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'm a little bit jealous, actually. Yeah, it's one reason why I never went into a computer field, because I enjoy it at home. I didn't yeah. want to have to work with it. And when I came home, I didn't want it to ruin my fun. Yeah, I can so be I, there. I just... Never, never went into it. All my friends, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you IT here or do this or do that? No, it would ruin the fun. I just went back into IT recently, and before that was a DevOps engineer, Linux admin, systems engineer, um, web developer. So just always been in computers. And the more time goes on, the more I can only work on these hobbies in short sprints before burning out. I just can't keep doing it and doing it and doing it. That's exactly what I was afraid of. So I just, my career went a different direction so I could keep my, my hobby fun, fun. I like it. Um, 
All right. Well, I have a question here for you. Do you find yourself using PowerPC Linux more these days or, 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 or OS X? Uh, I go in spurts. Uh, right now, I'm really focused on Tiger and Leopard. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but I've recently kind of backported Arctic Fox for Tiger and Leopard. I started it back in 2019, had a hard drive failure, lost everything. Oh, geez. Uh, over the New Year's Eve, my wife and I looked at each other and she's like, I want to stay home. I'm like, okay, I'll be in the man cave. I sat there for 15 hours straight and I got it to build. And it's like 99% functional. It's not the latest build. It's missing a whole bunch of commits and patches and everything else. I went as far back as I could to make it easier on myself to get it to run on Tiger and Leopard. Um, so yeah, the last six months, maybe a year, Tiger Leopard, before that, I was all about PowerPC Linux. I did the little Ubuntu remixes that I had made, made it get mm -hmm. easier for mm -hmm. people. Um, I've been running Void on pretty much everything. Unfortunately, Void is Rest in slowly going right. away. But I downloaded or installed all the dev packages, everything else. I plan on keeping it, and I'll just build what I need along the way. You know, it's already 20 years newer than Leopard and Tiger. <laughs> so, you know, I can probably run it for five more years and just update core utils here and there, rebuild a few browsers here and there. It'll serve my purposes well for probably another decade. I know there'll be other things out there, but those machines, I spent so much time tweaking them. They run phenomenally fast. I don't want to mess with it, so I'm just going to keep it and build what I need. I was going to say, you could always try uh, the other one that's still supported, uh, Adelaide Linux, right? I've but tried. It will not boot on about nine of my ten machines at oh. all. And the one G5, it does boot on. The installer is borked. <laughs> oh, boy. And I've read post after post after post on how to skip the installer, go back. Like Action Retro's old video is no longer any good because Adeli updated their servers, their keys, everything else, so that RC2 won't talk to anything. So during you can install it, but once it's installed, you can't do anything with it hmm. from what I've read because it can't talk to the new keys and their servers, everything else. So until they release RC3, I'll, I'll wait, let them polish out the bugs and give it another go. But I tried. I really wanted to try it. <laughs> it just wouldn't boot. It either kernel panic or just freeze up. You know, tried all the different boot parameters for different video cards. It always worked on Ubuntu, Debian, Void, everything else. And I just got frustrated and said, ah, these others work. So since you have an Amiga background, I'm guessing that you've played around with Morph OS. I have a Mac Mini G4 silent upgrade, 1.5 gigahertz that I bought my license key for. I kind of hope now looking back, I rather would have put it on my 15-inch uh, PowerBook G4 with the extra RAM in it. Because there's there's times the MorphOS is super light, but now that they have Wayfair web browser, you know, it's current WebKit, and it eats a lot of resources. And the Mac Mini struggles a little bit, but when I throw the live disk in the PowerBook, it zips right along. So if I could go back a few years, I would have saved that money and 
registered that power book instead but the mac mini does do pretty much everything really well and yeah it's, i basically bought it because the 30 minute timeout was driving me nuts when you're trying to play games <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, even even though even though wayfarer is um heavier though it's it's still an an impressive piece of tech with how much faster it runs than it's very any, impressive. any browser on os x or linux any browser for sure uh the original uh owb that came with MorphOS before Wayfair is blazing fast. Blazing fast. It's a couple years out of date now, but it's still good for 90% of the web. I generally use that for my daily browser when I'm using it, and I only fire up Wayfair for GitHub, Gmail, and all the, the sites that require Chrome, basically. Otherwise, OWB, super fast. The day that Wayfair becomes that fast, it'll be phenomenal, but it probably never will be because even on PowerPC Linux, when you install the WebKit-based browsers, they're actually quite slow compared yeah. to... Remember back in the day, the Mozilla browsers were always slower than the WebKit browsers. For some reason on PowerPC, the Mozilla browsers are faster than the WebKit browsers. Yeah, GNOME, GNOME Web just, just won't. It just won't. Yeah, it's slow. Uh, About the only thing I find usable WebKit-wise would be Surf. You know, it has basically no user interface. It's the web browser window. You start it from the command line. Super simple, super light. It's tolerable, but still, even a a heavy Firefox 60 will smoke it. So I don't know what it is. It's something on PowerPC lately that makes them slow. You can go back to a few older versions and WebKit on PowerPC Linux flies just like OWB on MorphOS does. So I don't know what's been added in the last four years to WebKit, but it's it's tough on the PowerPC architecture. Even a G5, it's slow. I'll take any, any of my ports <laughs> or rebrands and they'll smoke a WebKit browser on a PowerPC any day. All right. Um, well, uh, I can definitely segue that into, um, you know, what are your thoughts on more and more open source OSs dropping support for 32-bit PowerPC? Not a fan. Not a fan. I like old hardware. Um, thankfully, we still have, you know, Debian will always probably support 32-bit, so anything based on it which is quite a few things like on this computer over here, I'm running a MX Linux, basically just a modified version. Um, I hope somebody keeps it for at least another decade. There's absolutely nothing wrong with 32 bit in my eyes. I find it on older machines that are low on Ram. They seem to run better. Mm Mm-hmm. 64-bit, for some reason, when you open up a web browser, it chews RAM right away. Or in 32-bit, even on PowerPC Linux, I can open up, you know, uh, we'll just go with SpiderWeb. I can have 20 tabs open, and I'll be using maybe 250 megabytes of RAM on a 1-gig system. <laughs> you, know, you open up something newer that's 64-bit that has 8-gig of RAM, you open up Chrome and 6 gigs used right away. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. 
<laughs> Actually, you know, going back to um, Arctic Fox for PowerPC, I was reading on your Git um, that you're using an older code base. Um, is Are there any plans to update that to the newest code base or is that a limitation on the PowerPC end? I don't think it's a limitation. It's more time consuming. Arctic Fox now was at 2018 is when Pale Moon <laughs> jumped to their next version and dumped the 27 branch. And right after that's when I picked it up, maybe three months later, Ricardo from 10.4 Fox fame joined in. Now he's the sole owner. I got so many projects that all I can really do for Arctic Fox now is I do all the Mac, Mac builds, the 32 and the 64-bit builds. I do some of the Linux builds for PowerPC, but now uh, Xeno74 from uh, Hyperion Entertainment has been picking those up mostly for me. Um, I basically got into a browser tornado. I was building browsers for PowerPC Linux, browsers for uh, PowerPC 10.4, 10.5. I was doing it for Snow Leopard. I was doing it for Lion. I had this branch here, this branch there, that fork here, that fork there. I got so behind and buried in the pressure to try to keep up with them. I just told Ricardo, I'm just going to give you Arctic Fox. I'll help you when I can, or if you need something built, just holler at me. Like right now, we email back and forth all the time. I gave them the patch sets that I used to get the TLS 1.3 on Interweb and Spiderweb for Snow Leopard. I threw those at him. He added those in, and right now, Arctic Fox probably has 70% TLS 1.3 support. It, it passed the SSL Labs test, but it fails on another. Hmm. But for the future, it's coming. And it's working, so we're trying to do that. Um, yeah, I, I stopped the uh, Snow Leopard builds only because there's only so far you can go as one person, much like Cameron with 10.4 Fox. I mean, he kept mm -hmm. that going for over a decade. And then you got me trying to keep seven browsers going. I'm like, no, I, <laughs> I just I can't keep doing it. Something's got to go away. So I gave him Arctic Fox. And I just quit quit doing the 10.6 builds of uh, Spiderweb and Interweb for 10.6. Um, I, I just keep coming back to PowerPC. It's, uh, it's more challenging. It, I get more enjoyment out of it. Mm -hmm. I think there's a bigger following. I mean, there's a lot of people that like Snow Leopard. And Lion and above, now they have Chromium Legacy, so n nobody needs to compete with Chromium. Let those... <laughs> Let that go. But uh, yeah, the power PC, there's something about it, even though I didn't grow up with it, didn't use it up until five, six years ago. It has just has that little warm spot in my heart when something builds and it works. And then mm -hmm. I throw it online and people like it and I don't get too many bug reports. I'm like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually a big fan of interweb, by the way. Uh, that's actually my default browser. Um, I don't even use uh, the Safari build that uh, the Sorbet has, even though it's quite good and fast. Uh, I always end up putting interweb. Um, I, I would like to know which browser to stick to, <laughs> but there's so many. Uh, well, there's, there's all of those that you mentioned, but I always uh, go back to interweb. Uh, unless you tell me as the creator 
uh, don't do that. <laughs> I'll keep using interweb. No, especially with PowerPC, and I think uh, Drone Catcher said it best in a lot of his posts. You can't use just one browser. You need to pick your battles and know which browser does which sites best. Mm-hmm. You know, either create a a fox box or an in the box session for this or that. You might want to use Safari just to go grab your YouTube links for like PowerPC Media Center. It's light, mm-hmm. it's fast. You know, so a lot of guys will use four different browsers for different purposes. But in general, and you have to think Cameron for 10.4 Fox, Interweb PPC is all, all Cameron other than the branding and me shutting off some, some old services that are no longer used, which I just felt was bloat and making phone calls to IP addresses that don't exist anymore. And it, you know, all that slows your computer down when it, or the browser down when it's trying to contact all these things that don't work anymore. So I ripped those out of there. And, but it's pretty much, that's all Cameron with, with my candy coating on top of it. Something I wanted to ask, um, you have builds of Interweb PowerPC with Quartz support. And I was curious how to enable that in my toolkit. That would be the work of the Z970, the guy that did Sorbet. Uh, he took, I mean, all everything on Macintosh Garden anybody can edit. And he basically, from what I gather, took the uh, Fox PEP, that uh, prefs file, mm-hmm. that helps speed things up. Somewhere in there, it's a, it's a switch inside the browser preferences that you can set, which he did in that prefs file. So he basically just took, downloaded one of the builds, inserted the prefs file into that, that special G4 and G5 build. So it's already set up. So from what I gather, you just download it and run it, and it so should already be enabled. So it's not a compile time option, then? Not a compile time option, okay, as far as I'm aware. It's basically just a setting in the browser preferences itself. If you go into about config, you should be able to find it by scrolling through. Have you played with any of the BSDs on PowerPC? OpenBSD, that's about it. But at the same time, just don't have the time. <laughs> OpenBSD is BSD. a good one. OpenBSD yeah, is a good one. It, it works. Everything it just works, surprisingly. It, yep, and it's got a great user manual. Uh, super well documented. Great hardware support. Um, finicky with certain video cards but what isn't other than tiger and leopard um yeah i just haven't had the time i i actually install installed it i have a photo on mac rumors somewhere so i had my g5 running leopard with virtual pc running the current open bsd 7.0 slick <laughs> and it ran fairly well and i was actually surprised due to like uh sse and everything else that something that new still booted so i don't know what how they OpenBSD built those pre-compiled packages because otherwise for linux i had to go all the way back to uh damn small linux was the last thing i could get running that everything worked um one I'm really bummed that OpenBSD will not work with the the Sonnet Duet 
the only way I can make it run on my um, Power Mac is to install the the original CPU. Otherwise, yeah. it just freezes sporadically. Yeah, that would be probably the the dev or two devs that make the power PC builds probably don't have that card. Just never never got to work around it, figure it out. Would be my guess. Mm. It was an expensive upgrade back in the day, and it wasn't too common for the common folk. It's an expensive upgrade now. I paid eight hundred bucks for mine. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and uh, and I keep it going, compiling twenty four seven, so it it gets used. I can imagine. Yeah, all my machines are are they're going to die a slow death because they're pretty much on twenty four hours a day, constantly building things. Especially my poor one point six gigahertz G five. That thing takes ten hours to build interweb PPC. <laughs> <laughs> but I keep throwing modifications at it because that's the one I leave in the corner. If that one happens to go up in smoke, so be it. It's the weakest G5 of the bunch. But I tell you what, I haven't had a single problem with that. Like I try to use my dual 2.3 gigahertz as little as possible for compiling because it's my favorite machine. I don't want to overheat it and make it work. The other day it freaked me out. I have 10 gig of RAM in it and I booted it up and it said six. I'm like, Please don't Uh-oh. tell me it burnt out a couple of the RAM slots. I just pulled everything out, cleaned it, shoved them back in, and it's good. But that was after building uh, the Arctic Fox port for three days straight, trying to fix errors. It's two hour, two hours of build on that machine. But I just kept shoving it, rebuild, 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 and then I powered it off, turned it on, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so every, every time one little thing goes wrong, you think, oh, oh no, this is it, this is it. <laughs> Yep. I was like, yep, that's why I don't like using that machine for compiling. It's my most costly one, my favorite one. So I leave I leave the dented machines to build stuff. <laughs> you know what I did? I actually uh, took the, I, I don't know if the one that you have, which model it is, but the later one had, uh, there was, there was one, maybe it is that one. Um, it's, it's got the dual core. So it's a dual core. Yep. 2. The 11 two. Yeah, that's what this right, is. right. The dual that, core two point three. It'll hold sixteen gig RAM. The PCIe. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what I did was I because I had a quad two point five, and uh, the two point five was just loud, um, and the the liquid cooler, the pump broke, and it was just a disaster. Um, but it didn't fry anything, which was great. Um, there was a lot of corrosion and stuff, but it was mainly on the case, nothing on the motherboard or anything. So anyway, uh, chuck that out. Um, and I said, I want to go air cooling on, a, on this quad, uh, power PC. So I did, and I went through all the Mac rumor, um, sites and they had, they had a lot of, you know, people that had already done that and everything. And so I went and actually did it fairly easy. I, I just went on eBay and I bought some of the parts for the older G fives that were air cooled. And I stuffed two 2.3, so two of those dual cores, into the motherboard that had the quad. And uh, and then I just bought those those cheap um, uh, like air coolers on eBay. And lo and behold, it worked. And uh, I didn't spend that much on it. Probably spent 40 bucks on nice. the whole project. Um, it's quiet because it's, I, I, I don't know, I guess the 2.3s are, are well, they're cooler than the 2.5s. Um, can leave it on running all the time. Runs with 16 gigs of RAM and... Uh, and yeah, and that one, um, uh, I think uh, Chris gave me the challenge of compiling. What was it, Chris? Was Macport? No, GCC7, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I timed it, and it took about 
eight hours to do the whole thing. So um, I, I don't know if that's a record or anything like that. It, it probably isn't, but it's a beast um, of a program. Try it on a yeah. on a G4 yeah. power book once. You'll be waiting three days. <laughs> I have. Yeah, this one. I'm- Mm-hmm. On my iBook, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> that one gigahertz. Um. All right. Well. Uh. Let's see. I. I wanted to ask. I, I didn't want to make this this uh, episode too long, and I wanted to talk about the iChat. Uh. Some of the iChat adventures. Um. But I did want to ask. Uh. And and Chris, I know we have a few other questions. Feel free to ask. But. Uh. Mine's going to be on. If if you could have one Power PC wish, if there was a Power PC genie, and you could have one wish, what would it be? Oh, geez, that's a tough one. Any specifics to that wish? Um, or just like hardware, software. Um, I didn't. I didn't really think that much ahead. If, so, you, no. have, uh, <laughs> if you could have one one modern service, fully functional, that is inaccessible to us today. Um, you know, I'm a browser guy. I would have to say Leopard WebKit with 2022, 2023 backend. I mean, what uh, Tobias did with it for all those years until it became almost impossible. If there was a way, if Apple would just open up their open transport and use something like SS, um, open SSL or new TLS versus their own proprietary so that something, you know, like you look at MorphOS, they were able to build it because it's not relying on Apple's frameworks. So I, browser-wise, I mean, even even like 10.4 Fox and Web PPC, everything else, we're, we're limited to basically Firefox 38, 48, 52 tops when it comes mm-hmm. to patching things in this, that. And they'll be fine for years to come, but more and more major sites are going to start not displaying properly or loading at all. Uh, so, yeah, I guess for me, being a browser guy, and I think most people in general would love an up-to-date WebKit, up-to-date Safari. Yeah, that was one thing I wanted to ask. Um, so, 10.4 Fox and your web power PC, SpiderWeb... Um, all of the others, they're all based on either Pale Moon, Basilisk, or an older version of Firefox. So are, are, are Pale Moon and Basilisk also forks of older versions of Firefox? Pale Moon in its current state forked from 50, ESR 52.9, and then they backported a lot of things from Firefox 60, everything else. They're pretty much at a 60.8 mark right now for what they've re-implemented back into what was 52.9, much like uh, Pale Moon 27 or the early versions of Arctic Fox were based off of uh, ESR 38.9, and they had pretty much patched that up to almost Firefox 52 levels when they dumped 27 to go with V28, 29, 30, 31. Uh, there's a lot of things. They're doing great things over there. They've backported a lot of the new JavaScript. Um, a lot of sites that didn't work a year or two ago now work with that browser again. Um, that's a little bit over my head. I mean, they're they're going real deep in, but they're having a hard time keeping up with Chrome. But for what that browser was a couple of years ago to what it can render and what sites it can do now, 
they're doing some phenomenal work over there. But yeah, we're all limited. Even Sea Monkey is having a problem where they've only been able to backport so much. And there's, there comes a point where if you want to keep support on these older systems, you can only add so much before you can't anymore unless you're a super genius. I'm, I'm sure somebody somewhere with enough time and manpower could do it. You know, I mean, if you look at Chromium Legacy, I mean, Google dropped Chrome on 10.7, 10.8, 10.9 releases ago. And then BlueboxD comes in, makes, you know, 300 changes, bam. All right, now it has lion support, mountain lion support. It is possible, but when you're big companies, you, you follow Apple's lead. When this is no longer supported, why should we have to continue to support it? It just takes somebody else with the knowledge to change back what was ripped out that made it not work on those older versions. So yeah, we're, we're pretty much stuck between Firefox 38 and Firefox 60 when it comes to 10.4, 10.5, 10.6. And I guess a part of that is also because um, once they went Firefox Quantum, there became there, there started to be a heavy reliance on, on, on Rust and Node.js and just technologies that don't exist on PowerPC at all, right? Correct. The Rust was a big factor. Pale Moon had originally ripped Rust out of 52.9, which is why I was able to make it build on PowerPC Linux and make the ports for those because it didn't have Rust in it, which made it super easy. I just had to change a few, few make files, comment a few things out, add a few things here and there, and it started to build and work. But uh, yeah, Rust pretty much killed everything, and now you got the... Uh, well, the Go language, you know, this doesn't exist on PowerPC. Uh, yeah, everything's moving forward, and all we can do is just grab the bits and pieces we can, feed them in, and just try to keep things limping along a little bit longer. Well, I know you're you're eager to start getting into the iChat stuff, so I only have uh, one more question for you, and that is. Um, do you have any projects you would like some help with? And if so, uh, how, how can we help or how, how can others help? Um, yeah, that's a tough one. I, I guess if anything, maybe the, uh, the newborn port of Ar Arctic Fox to a uh, tiger and leopard. It's, it's very bare bones. It's goes back to the beginning. It needs a lot of stuff from current Arctic Fox shoved back into it, but it's going to be a slow process of somebody's going to need a decent machine, you know, try to throw this patch in and rebuild it. Like it's going to be a two hour wait in between each rebuild to see if Ooh, that patch worked. Me. Didn't work. I'll build, I'll build. <laughs> so I did, I did upload the source to GitHub. So that's available for anybody to look at, submit pull requests, bug reports. Um, I, I would really love to get that going. And I know it's kind of a, I don't want to say a waste of time or a losing battle because, again, we're only going to get up to maybe Firefox 52 levels out of it. But it is much more lightweight than 10.4 Fox and Internet PPP. Yeah, PPC from comments I've gotten back, especially like G3s and slow G4s. A couple guys commented that it loads in half the time just from cold start versus Internet PPC and 10.4 Fox. It'll browse Mac rumors relatively fast. So I would like to bring that up to speed for more lower spec machines. Because I did RetroZilla, which is blazing fast, 
but it's a 2007 browser with TLS 1.2 added to it. But it won't render Mac rumors. It won't. There's certain pages it won't. But for what it does, it's blazing fast. And my whole point with bringing Arctic Fox back to Tiger and Leopard was something in the middle, in between Retrozilla and 10.4 Fox and Interweb PPC. That's just an all-around solid performer. So I'd say if anybody wanted to help with anything, it would be that project. I'd be happy to help start building so I can contact you on that later. Um, I, I don't have the knowledge to learn how to start doing the porting work yet, but I really do want to learn it. Um, I don't have a desktop developer background. I'm more of a web developer, but it, it, it's stuff that I want to learn. I just need to have some kind of point of entry. It, it'll actually oddly fall into place the more you look at it. I mean, six years ago, I had joined the Pale Moon development team to get Pale Moon running on Snow Leopard and above. And then we a whole bunch of us developers had a falling out with them, and then they removed Mac support, and that's a whole long story. But that I when I joined, I, all I was able to do was build the browser for Mac what was done, and then I noticed there was things that were wrong. So I went into the Mozilla source tree, and it's, it's a mess because it's 15 different languages all crammed together to make something work. But the more you look at it, the more it makes sense. And before you knew it, it just all fell together. I never had any anything to do with web browsers beforehand. And once you get into a Mozilla-based browser, it, it's like a puzzle. This piece goes there, this piece goes there, this piece goes there. And before you know it, it's just almost drop and drag easy. You just grab this, put it there, grab this, put it there. Gotcha. Nine out of ten times it works. I had no background no background in web browsers at all five years ago. Well, I will certainly be in touch on how I can help with that. Fantastic. Sure, me, me too. With that, uh, I have that quad there, so... I got to put it to good use other than, you know, playing games and things like that. And it's winter. It'll help heat up the house real nice. <laughs> Especially that. So iChat? Yes. Um, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, iChat, our, uh, our progress. Um, well, I, I guess we, we figure we start where we start. Uh, which is which is actually what we were trying to do. Um, we're trying to use iChat AV to talk over the internet uh, using the Jabber protocol. The thing about it is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but it appears that the video service, as we were uh, poking into it, uh, uses proprietary Apple a proprietary Apple server. Where? Um, go ahead. I cut you off, please. My apologies. Oh, no, it's okay. I, I could totally be uh, uh, not saying the correct thing. Um, but it appears that it uses a proprietary service. The server is no longer uh, um, available or in use. Uh, so uh, in order for it to make its its calls, um, you had to do something on your back end, Chris, which was to, uh, I believe it was to route my IP address through a web server. Um, how about Not you quite. speak to yeah. that a little bit more? Yeah, because so to back up a little bit, we're yeah, and I'm sure you've seen some of this on the forums, um, Matt. Um, we're we're trying to bring the AV back to iChat. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. I saw the post and the 
the pictures you guys put, you, you did get it working, which is phenomenal. It's um, it does everything peer to peer. Um, so on Leopard, it still works with Jabber. Um, and any feel free to jump in anywhere you feel like you could or want to contribute on this. We 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 do need help. Um, <laughs> it's um, so when. It can be a standard Jabber client, and we're, we're currently using just Jab.im. I, I do want to self-host one eventually here soon, but um, that was the first one that we found that still works with iChat on Leopard. And when you try to negotiate a um, video or audio call, the first thing that iChat does is it tries to negotiate your public IP address. And it would do that with a proprietary proprietary Apple protocol called SNAT map. Um, and they have, so it makes a call out to configuration.apple.com slash something slash SNAT map.txt to find where that SNAT map server is. The first problem is that um, iChat tries to do it over HTTPS, which then, over HTTP, which back then was fine, but now it hits the 301 redirect. And so mm -hmm. then iChat goes, oh, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay, interesting. So I went and um, set up a just, a just a little local web server and um, redirected my host file, copied the text file that it was looking for back into there, which contains the uh, URL of the S there the the S NAT server, so that worked. But then it tries to communicate with it, and it, iChat's just too old for whatever the new S NAT map server is doing. So there's really nothing we can do, um, sort of reverse engineering it. So what ends up happening is I'm on a 192.168.0 network. Euros on a 192.168.1 network. We start, I started doing a TCP dump and noticed, oh, my Mac is making a call to 192.168.1.179 or something. Well, I'm not on a .1 network. I told it to you. I was like, yeah, that's that's my machine. So that was me. That NAT, that public IP, figuring out which public IP to connect to isn't working. So I was just saying, well, I guess I'll just go with the... Um, local IP address that the Jabber server said he was coming from. And so I hacked around that by um, setting up a NAT rule on PFSense that says any request going to 192.168.1.179, uh, translate that to Bureau's actual public IP address, um, and that's what made it work. Um, but nice. not everyone can do that. So we were hoping to have a nice, a nice little, you know, just here run this script or this this slightly modified version of whatever, and you'll be good to go. But, or I was hoping to have my own little um, web server running just to point into Apple's SNAP map server, but that's not possible. It also makes a call to Apple's bandwidth uh, testing server. Um, it it um, which doesn't exist anymore. But uh, you can run iChat in debug mode, and it prints all this stuff out about what it's doing. And so if it's not able to negotiate with that, it falls back 
to whatever you have set for the bandwidth for QuickTime's streaming and system preferences. Okay. Um, so that works for the most part. But now, now that we have video working, we're trying to figure out how do we get good video going. And by good, we mean 320 by 240 at 30 frames per second. Um, so yeah, bonjour to bonjour, um, I booked my Power Mac. That works. But then doing it over the internet, even though we, we have ample bandwidth, something is still saying, nah, no, nah, I'm going gonna, gonna to turn the bandwidth down. And it halves that the resolution so it looks pretty bad some somehow our our eyesight cameras look a little bit better i don't i don't know quite the reason for that but otherwise because we were just using I, I was using a logitech um camera and it looked fine uh over usb but um but like chris said locally um otherwise if you try to go over the internet there is something throttling it um the bandwidth and um yeah the the other thing too is that and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but if we wanted the, you know, for people to be able to use this thing with multiple people, and I'm talking, I'm not talking about maybe a conference call, although that'd be really cool, but we're probably light years away. Um, I'm talking about if they had a buddy list, um, you know, how would they do that with this workaround? Even if they had the PF sense, they would have to have everybody's uh public ip address and then and then route it to a local ip address in in their own routers right reverse lo local to public and everyone would have to be a local to a, public on a on a unique public ip address and you better hope you don't have that same ip mm -hmm. address on your own network which chances are yeah, yeah. and also too people's ip addresses change because of dhcp it's uh, not scalable ISPs use. yeah it's not um so we we want a more scalable solution um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at today with iChat. Uh, just it's still amazing what you guys figured out. I don't think a lot of people would have dug that deep into it to figure out why it doesn't work anymore. Um, my next thought is, uh, I think that iChat used to proxy audio and video through the Oscar protocol when you would use AIM, and there is. <laughs> A reverse engineered Oscar server out there on GitHub, so I kind of want to see what kind of support that has. Yeah, might be worth looking into. I know didn't they just bring back? Uh, well, it's a couple of years old now, but then they're like Phoenix Aim or there's hmm. something where AOL's back. There's a different server you can connect to. I haven't heard about uh, that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, if I, think I can I'd... find it again, I'll I'll send you the link. But I'm pretty sure somebody opened up a, a retro AOL server and Anus. got it working. Chat with the like it's old... 1999. Yeah, yeah, this looks familiar. Be. I think you might have brought it up on the old Action Retro podcast last year. Actually, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty sure I signed up to this. Yeah, I was getting random messages though from people, and uh, I don't know if it was people actually from bots or something. So. <laughs> Yeah, no problem with, with any chat net, though. Oh, <laughs> holy shit. Okay, so AIM 6.0. Thank you for telling me about this. Okay, so this says it has AIM 6.0 support. When we look at the um, Wikipedia iChat, I was, I was reading about this earlier. Um, I know that the first, the first service that is supported was AIM, but let's see, when did they add... Yeah, 
It added audio video conferencing. Come on, where is it? Yeah, it um, AIM version 5.5, which enabled video but not audio chats over the AIM protocol was compatible with Apple's iChat AV. I need to test it, but it might work. <clears throat> something worth trying. Um, there was another. Something else we haven't gotten working is uh, file transfers. That's all peer-to-peer. Or um, desktop screen sharing. That, too, is peer-to-peer. And they all run on different ports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to open up a bunch of ports on our routers. I imagine oh. you You probably look, your router looked like Swiss cheese. Oh, it does. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It does. And uh, every... We, we had to make a... Um, I had to make a a NAT rule translating that local IP into the public IP for each one of those ports. And because Euro isn't able to make a reverse set of rules, it only works when he calls me. I can't call him. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's another kind of a, a little bit there. <laughs> hey, let me text you first before I call you. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, a little, little snafu right there. Um, so... This isn't the first time we've gone down a kind of a rabbit hole like this. Um, we've mentioned it before, uh, probably in a prior episode, but uh, we did try to get uh, Boxer to run with, uh, who was this? Was that Cameron Kaiser? Was that Dr. Cameron Kaiser's work with uh, Boxer, uh, with DOSBox with JIT? No, uh, like he he took no. the the uh, some, somebody on Vogons made the just-in-time compiler and Cameron Kaiser made a build of it. Right, right. I remember. Right. I remember he was he was involved somehow. And what we were trying to do was merge the two. We want to get Boxer, but with that build of DOS Box with JIT, uh, and that would just make the ultimate Boxer for for PowerPC. Um, a little bit complicated. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, actually, Chris flew down, um, and we were we spent most of our time there um, just just on on that hours and hours on that, and then. And then that that didn't quite work out, but that would have been fun. <laughs> you know, the games would have ran way better. Uh, there's a game that I want to get it to working, get what? to work with with uh, with DOS with Boxer with Boxer because it does work with DOS Box with JIT. But I want it to work with Boxer, and that is Blood. Uh, Blood is um, it runs very slow using uh, Boxer, and uh, there's a few other games too that run uh, pretty slow. They're more demanding DOS games. I think later build games uh, run pretty slow, but that DOS box with JIT, uh, that just-in-time is just, uh, it's fast, and that can run blood um, pretty smoothly. So that's, that's a tough thing, taking two separate projects and making them meld together. Actually... <laughs> I actually got Boxer with the just-in-time. I actually got it to build, but then um, it would it would freeze up, and I even got to where I could attach it to uh, GDB and start debugging. But then I realized I don't know how emulation works. <laughs> this makes no sense to me. <laughs> no, anybody that knows emulation's got to have a super brain. Because yeah, I've I've looked at some code. I made one change years ago to a. Uh, SNES 9X for PowerPC Linux. The sound never worked. Made a small patch to make a bypass looking for a dev DSP, which PowerPC doesn't have, and just redirected it to A sound instead. 
bam, there you go. Sound on SNX9F. But other than that, that was just a, a sound modification. But yeah, if you look at the code, yeah, I don't know how emulation works either. Um, speaking of messaging, you mentioned that you made a Discord plugin for Biddleby. Was that through LibPurple or is that a, a direct plugin? That was a direct plugin. I found it on GitHub. It was made specifically for Biddleby. Yeah, it needed very minor changes to the code to build. I can't remember off the top of my head what it was, but it was super simple. So all I had to do was build Biddleby, point Discord plugin to the development headers, which I installed. I just did a make install and just let it do everything. Once it found that, I got a few errors. Um, there's a guy on uh, the Tinker Different website. Now there's another protocol for Facebook Messenger that's new. I think it's MQTT or something to that effect. It It's supposed to be more usable than the old, uh, I don't know, what were they using before the old Jabber protocol for just basic Facebook Messenger support. This is supposed to support group messages and all oh, kinds wow. of other things. So in one of my days of non-free time, I will look into that plugin and see if I can get <laughs> that built for, for Biddleby. But yeah, those are pretty much just straight straight builds. Uh, Biddleby built without any issues with just Mac ports. Uh, the plugin needed a minor adjustment or two, and that built. Um, yeah, so those were just uh, something I wanted. I use them on Linux all the time. Like, yeah, it should probably build with Mac ports. And they did. I tried. <laughs> so, yeah, nothing, nothing really on my end other than just putting it all together into a nice little neat package. Sometimes that's that's all it takes. Just someone thinking of taking something someone built and combining it with something else someone built in a way that no one thought of before. And it's becomes really useful for someone. Yeah, and thankfully it's a good backup because, yeah, the I had created... Discord PPC, which worked for about a year before Discord shut off their TLS 1.0 and 1.1, 1.1 support, which killed that, which also killed DOS Dude 1's Discord Lite, no. unless you're running a prox, prox, uh, Sox proxy. Um, it killed off, uh, there was also Mindisk, which was a Python client that used uh, Discord PY. That no longer works, so right now for PowerPC, we have Biddleby with Discords, the only thing that works, other than Discord Lite with a with a proxy setup. I was I was um, on our PC Linux. I was talking on Discord through Pigeon through LibPurple Discord. Yeah, worked. There work is perfectly. that. I did try at one time to get the that to build on PowerPC. Not a lot of luck, and at the same time, that required the use of XQuart for the X11 and everything else. It it partially built, but I could never connect to anything. So the I got the program to build, but for some reason, the protocols or however it accesses the net, something was broken in the networking. So the app would launch, but every time you went to add an account, you'd put your info in, and then it would just keep booting you out with like incorrect username and password. So something, something was weird with it. It might be something I try to pick back up again, but that was also like nine months of try to patch this, patch that, patch this, to just get the UI to actually launch. 
when you started it. And I'm like, I think that's when I gave up and just said, well, I know Biddleby will work and it's very basic. For sure. And there's, there's IRC clients galore for PowerPC and everything else. So I tried building. I gave up and just went with that. I tried building Biddleby on PowerPC on um, MacPorts a few weeks ago. It built, it launches, but it will not connect to any IRC clients. It just gets stuck at connecting. <laughs> so, yeah. Now there might be something. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know they just added. I think it's it'll be three point six is the latest two Mac ports. At the time I built the version I have up, Mac ports only had three point five. I had built three point six a year before Mac ports added it. I don't know if their port file might just be a hair wrong. I guess I never tried building it with their port file. I just straight up downloaded the source and built it in a local directory and oh crap so how do you when you when you download the source how do you build it using the um you, you can't build it using the default compiler on on osx so how do you compile it using the compilers you install them with with, with mac ports without having it in a port file uh typically i just use the export command i'll just do export and you use capital C, capital C equals, and then you just do your GCC dash MP dash 4.8, uh, and then do it. the same thing with, uh, then you do your uh, export capital C plus plus equals, and then it's your G plus plus dash MP dot four. You just do that before you run any of your configure commands. It'll automatically use that GCC rather than messing up your system. And I guess you have to pass in a different um, install location into your configure script, don't you? Yep. Well, you can do it right at, right at the... Uh, yeah, you can just issue then configure. Typically, you would just, then just add uh, your dash, dash, prefix. path, uh, oh. prefix. Prefix equals... I usually, I usually choose opt. So I'll do like, like when I did my Biddleby build, it was opt Biddleby. So everything it would build when I do make install would shoot itself to opt Biddleby. Thank you. So yeah, you can, basically that's how a port file works. It just tells it where to build, what compiler to use, uh, what directory to install it in. But you can do it all manually without a port file. I will give that a try. Um, I was try also trying to build libpurple, and then I realized, oh, it's using the um, Apple's old-ass compiler, and that's not going to work. Yeah, and that's a lot of times if you need to, and that might have been what I had to do to get the Discord plugin to work, was just change it to something newer, because that wasn't in Mac ports at all, and I don't I don't, th I, I probably forgot to export which compiler I wanted to use, and I think it went with, yeah, GCC4. O2 or whatever the default is, and yeah, I didn't like it. Have you ever heard of Slidge? No. Slidge is the next one that I want to play with. I found it when I was looking for clients for Signal D, um, and I want to—I I really want to get Signal working in some way, shape, or form on old OSX. Um, initially, I was like, okay, you know, do it through Biddleby, LibPurple, and then the more I played with that, the harder and harder it got. So, yes, it is nice to have everything running locally on the Mac. Um, but with Slidge, um, it is an XMPP gateway that allows you to connect to a 
multitude of other services. Um, yeah. Facebook, Signal, there's there's one for every service. It assumes you already have a functional XMPP server. And yes, it's not running locally on the Mac, but it means that you could message on to Signal users through iChat, theoretically. That'd be cool. Yeah, multi-protocol messengers have always been a, a hidden like of mine. I remember way back, you guys familiar with uh, the QNX? Yeah, yeah, yes. I played around with that. Uh, it must have been 2002 era. Uh, once they ported over some compilers in GTK, I went on a mass spree. I, I built <laughs> so many packages that actually made like one of their uh, software CDs. It's just part of their repository. I took stuff like uh, XChat at the time, GFTP, a uh, bunch of things QNX didn't have regularly and just built those over. And my big one was back then it was game, G-A-I-M, and got that to build because all I wanted it for was Yahoo's group chat, like the chat rooms. Mm -hmm. So that was the my thing. And yeah, you talk about running in that weird errors. You're on a, you're on a pod, pod, yeah, POSIX operating system, but the toolkits are completely different. And then eventually I got it to work. Really don't know what I did. Luck. <laughs> Just build, rebuild, build, rebuild. Throw a couple pieces of code out into the IRC chat. Somebody that worked for Cunix would say, add this here, put this there, try that. Holy crap, it built. <laughs> and you brought back some you brought back some memories. I haven't played with QNX in a long time. Um, oh, was, I loved that. What was loved the desktop that. environment called again? Photon. Thank you. I yeah. loved how Photon looked. I think it's uh, mostly running in running as entertainment systems in cars now, though, isn't it? QNX. Yeah, a lot of a lot of your uh, hospital equipment runs it. Uh, entertainment systems. Uh, BlackBerry, I think had. Yeah, Do I have a background? Was it BlackBerry by them, or did they buy BlackBerry? But I know for a while, uh, the BlackBerry... Oh, what's the tablet that they came out with? I have one, and I can't remember what it was, but it ran QNX on that, and then it had the ability to sideload Android apps onto it. It was kind of cool. There was and a PowerPC port of it. Really? Yeah. But yeah, that was that was one of my favorite operating systems. I liked QNX. I mean, I like BOS, BOS too, but QNX to me was just light, fast, clean. I had a lot of fun for a few years with that operating system. Sure. They offered, they offered. What was it six point two? Was the free one? Because otherwise, it was commercial. You had to buy it, but they offered a a free version to the public. I think it was QNX six point two. Speaking oh. of BOS, check this out. This is my um, um, ThinkPad X220. Give it a second. Aha! Oh, yeah. It I, got that running, I got that running in a virtual machine right now. This <laughs> runs we're, we're, perfectly on the hardware. Really? Perfect. We're a big Wi fan. Wi-Fi... Everything. The only thing that, that doesn't work is suspend and the uh, media shortcuts on the keyboard. But everything else, it's it's fantastic. So, so fantastic. for for other people, uh, 
uh, Chris just showed uh, on on our stream uh, a Lenovo laptop running Haiku OS, which we did a previous uh, episode on, and it uh, actually is a is a spiritual successor to BOS, um, which we are also big fans of. Uh, I would love to see Haiku running on the PowerPC again. I, we checked the status page, and it doesn't look like it's. Um, like it's uh, gotten much much traction uh, in, in some time. I don't know if anybody's going to be uh, really picking that up and going with it, but uh, would love to see it at some point. Big fan. That would be cool. Um, but yeah, I looked at it. That's a pretty big job. You basically have right. to rebuild the whole operating system on your own for mm-hmm. PowerPC. They, they've got a write-up on how to do it, but there's really right. nothing and, and then- there yet. And then you have to rebuild all the applications as well to run all the PC. All of it, yeah. Yeah. The, the, by the way, um, just to go back just a little bit, and uh, uh, and then we'll we'll do a wrap up. Um, when you mentioned uh, you know multi IM clients, I was actually thinking of one I used to use back then. I couldn't remember the name. I just thought of it now. It was made by a company called Cerulean Studios. It's called Trillion. Yeah, and, uh, yes. that's. That's what I used to use, and actually, the, re- the really the reason that I used it was because of its. Uh, uh, they had like a nice theming package, so yes. uh, you know, my mine had this like a uh, some kind of modern. Well, what people in the early two thousands would consider to be a future look, you know. So it was all kind of. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, that's. <laughs> it was a great client. It's actually funny you mention that because I I despised games so much on Linux that I ran Trillium through Wine. Back in the early days, just because I liked it better, it was a smoother interface, mm. looked better, nice sound. Still around. I remember the really? sounds. Oh wow! Huh. I know that. I'll have to check that out. Huh. There's there's a mobile client, of course, now too. Hmm. All right. Well, um, I wanted to talk uh, at the at the very end about uh, any future projects. Uh, Chris, I know you mentioned a few. Um, Matt, if there's uh, any any future projects you, you have in mind that you'd like to share um, with the rest of the uh, audience, um, I'll get it started. So I, I started a, a as a as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, I started a new YouTube channel. It's called NetTrack. Um, I do have my first video out. It's uh, Adventures Installing Mac OS 10 Leopard. Um, it's, uh, it's just, it, it, it's just fun stuff. I, I figured that I use, um, you know, PCs and, and Macs and whatnot, uh, just enough now to probably start a channel because I always have something going on. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I found out that every other week I have some new project or something going on. So I figured I would start a channel about it. And, um, and it's really just for, just for me personally, I'm not trying to, not trying to make it any, uh, not trying to make it big and, uh, in YouTube, um, not, not trying to do that, but, uh, I figured, uh, I would get some laughs about it later on in life, uh, watching it. And, and if people want to watch it as well, um, and comment on it and things like that, it would just be even more fun. So, yep, it's a new YouTube, YouTube channel called NetTrack. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, anything you're working on, uh, Matt or Chris that you'd like to share or in the future we'll be working on? Did you say net track or net trek? I missed it. Net trek, like, like Star Trek, you know, Star Trek. Got it. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on getting signal going on PowerPC. I also want to get a 
I also want to learn how to make a binary um, server for Mac ports, but it sounds like um, they might be getting a might be possible to, for, for them to get an official build bot going, which would be nice. Uh, but it would be nice. It'd be nice to not have to constantly compile G the, the GCCs. I mean that that sucks. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep uh, plugging away at the iChat. They definitely want to play with the Oscar protocol. How that about, would be cool. How about you, Matt? You know, I'm just a ball of surprises. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really say I have anything that's on the list. Like I said, the, the Arctic Fox port to Tiger and Leopard's the newest. I'll probably <clears throat> Snow Leopard on PowerVC. <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't messed with that at all. From what I've read, pretty much everything about that is older than what came with Leopard. So I really saw no reason to bother messing with older code than what Leopard was released with. And yeah, it's cool that it says 10.6 on about this Mac, but I can go change that on Leopard if I want to. <laughs> sure, sure. Or you can run the, what, 10.5.9 now. Yeah, so that just never, <laughs> for me. The, the, the clouded Leopard never uh, never tripped my trigger. I'm like, eh, it's just old. It's cool. I'm glad people are having fun with it and trying to put pieces together. But uh, if it's older than Leopard, I don't see the point personally. You know what I'd really like to see is a uh, classic environment running on Leopard. I would love to see that. I started a whole thread about that. Uh, it's gotten a little bit of traction. Uh, I did speak with um, the developer Sorbet, and um, and it seems like he he did try it and ran into some issues. Um, but I, I I would love to see that. A lot of people have tried over the years, and uh, there's enough threads about it. I think mm -hmm. everybody's got a pretty good idea of. There's three or four good reasons why it will never run on Leopard. Short of maybe rebuilding the kernel mm -hmm. and re-stubbing or figuring out how to replace a few key frameworks that were pulled out from Tiger to Leopard. I, I can see why it hasn't been done in the last 10 or 15 years. It's just from what guys have figured out, it's, it's a lot of work to try to make that actually usable again. So if somebody can make it work, great. I don't have high hopes for it, though, just because there's not enough. Apple doesn't open source anything, so trying mm -hmm. to find this stuff would be next to impossible. Did you ever do anything with, with Darwin? The no. open source um, Darwin releases? can honestly say no. I remember I tried that once a long, long time ago, back when they were current. Um, and I know some people managed to get X working with it and all that, but it'd be really interesting to see if um, you can get Mac ports going with uh, one of those old Darwin builds. It might be possible. Well, do I not? It, it'd be going from the ground up, basically making your own Mac ports, probably. You'd probably have to build every little piece at a time yeah. and just grow your own repository, but I'm sure that could be done. Because you wouldn't even have the Apple installer with that. <laughs> right. But I could see that being done. That would probably be a lot easier than trying to get classic running on Leopard. <laughs> I see one being doable, one being next to impossible. 
Last I heard about classic on Leopard was uh, something about emojis was stopping it. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Yeah, it was. You know, I have yeah. to look back. But <laughs> yeah, it, it was something something odd like that. But anyway, it's a smiley right. face loaded with code that makes something core dump on impact. <laughs> <laughs> there was. I'll have to look at the thread and, and and find out what it was. But there was something. Something was something about that. Anyway, for some reason, if you right. do the eggplant, peach, and splash emoji in that order, it will just crash. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, otherwise, okay. yeah, no, no real projects on my end. I'll, I'll pick away at what I have out there. You know, oddly, you know, I thought by now I would have had to update ten five two, but I did that back in twenty twenty. Uh, here it's three years later and still works but with youtube constantly making changes i'm like mm-hmm. it's going to be every three months i'll be updating that and i mm-hmm. haven't had to touch it in three years so yeah i'll just keep picking away at the browser stuff more than likely and like i said i'll i'll probably look into that mqtt plugin which is supposed to be an enhanced facebook messenger plugin i don't i got rid of all my facebook and twitter accounts and pretty much all my social media three or four years ago so for it's not for me, but enough people have been bugging me about it, so I might might just build it for them if I can, if it's doable. Oh, um, another oh. future project is I want to learn more about. Um, I want to start getting more into the uh, browser building efforts that um, that you're involved with. Just learning how it all works. I mean, yeah, the toolkit was somewhat educational, but I'm just scripting together all the bits and bobs that. Um, just scripting the instructions that Cameron Kaiser put out there. No, no real actual development. Well, that toolkit's phenomenal. I use it now for everything. Okay. Great, great time saver, especially like when I do a new install. I just grab that now. It saves many, many, many hours, like you said, of building GCC. It works great. The script you set up works great. I mean, for, for anybody that wants to build their own interweb PPC or 10.4 Fox, Literally, you install it, you click build, answer a few questions, and wait a few hours. So that's phenomenal. And then, like, I use it without your script because I I do that part manually myself. For uh, debugging and testing, I can change different, you know, compiler parameters and stuff if I'm testing something. But otherwise, it's great. Thank you. Saved me a lot of time. (laughs) Glad it's been helpful. Um, I'll be in touch about the... um arctic fox builds and also thank you for all the help you uh gave when i was uh setting up that toolkit um it would not exist without that no problem no problem all right well this has been uh it's been a great chatting with you matt thank you so much for joining us hey, uh, thanks for having me. um yeah uh we would love to have you again um so just uh let us know when you have some free time and and uh we can certainly chat again um otherwise uh chris do you got anything nah thank you so much um it's been a pleasure and an honor yeah really thank you i can't wait to actually listen to it now you know how your voice always sounds funny when you listen to yourself yeah <laughs> after a while now, after now when it goes of, up, uh, you'll be listening to it going, that doesn't even sound like me. <laughs> after a while of doing your own podcast, you kind of get over that. And now it's um, um, now it's just a snapshot in time of having fun, which is a good thing to have.
Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, we've been doing this for a few years now, and so it's uh, it's fun uh, to go back to the early episodes. We've been doing this since 2016. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll keep doing it too. I know. Uh, I know we had some slowdowns and stuff, but uh, you know, life keeps getting in the way, and then we keep coming back to the podcast. So yeah, I'll, I'll and, do uh, this, and you know, till the end. And just like uh, your elders used to say, ah, life will slow down and you get older. I find myself getting busier and busier and busier <laughs> the older. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll we'll do the next one in two years. <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody. And good night. Good night.